Hey everyone, Anna Lytle here. And Kat Pusey. And welcome Welcome to to the the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op Podcast. We're here connecting you to the lives and stories of our local farmers, makers, and educators that are all dedicating themselves to positively and powerfully impacting the Southern Utah community. And before we get started, I would just like to mention that we have a Patreon set up for this podcast. And you can find that by going to Patreon and searching the Modern Farm and Artisan Co-op. If you are following us on Instagram, we also have a link to that in our bio to make it super easy for you. And we just felt that this would be a good way to help cover the costs of like our editing software and the hosting service and all the equipment that we have to have to make this possible. And each episode takes about 10 to 15 hours to edit. So every little bit helps. We really do love bringing this podcast to you all and we know it is a challenging time for everyone. So we, you know, we really understand that. But if you do feel the desire to even chip in $2 a month, it would mean so much to us. And once we get more supporters, then we can start rolling out the special swag. We're hoping we can have our local artisans make special stickers and magnets and maybe even hats and t-shirts for this podcast so we have more ways to show our local support so we are talking today with steve and connie sutton of dewey's dog bakery or do you do you guys go by dewey dog treats or dewey's dog bakery dewey's dog treats okay dewey's dog treats okay there we go and um they make and sell homemade gourmet dog treats and so, um, and you guys have been doing it for quite a while. And Connie has a really long history in the dog community, and it's just so interesting. And so we we just we've done an article on you guys, but um, now that you're in the co-op, we want to make sure that we have um, a podcast. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> All right. So let's. Uh, Let's just dive right in with some of your guys' background. So how did you get into dog treats? And let's start with Connie. Um, Well, I got into it in 2011, and that's when this all started. Um, There was a huge amount of dog treats coming in from China, and they were killing dogs. Their treats were horrible, and they had an impact in this country that was unbelievable. And so that's what got me going on researching, and why is this happening? What's in them? Where are they coming from? And I said, that's it. I'm making my own treats. So that's how that started, and I started playing with recipes and then I uh, really expanded on it and got into it and I was promoting the heck out of don't feed your dogs this because they'll die and um, so that's how that got started and that's how we ended up at the farmer's market. And and so you just were kind of like watching this. I was very encouraging and doing what uh, I could to help. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because you guys, but you guys have been both been involved in like the rescue community for a oh, really yeah. long time, right? No, so, not as long as her. Okay. <laughs> so, how did you start getting involved with animals? Um, started years ago in California. I lived in California. Everybody in California was moving to Colorado at the time. It was the big shift to Colorado, and they, they're doing it again. <laughs> and yes, they are. And um, a lot of them couldn't take their dogs, so I lived. All like, fortunately, a mile from the beach and had a yard, and people knew me, and they knew I couldn't stand it, you know, so I ended up taking the dogs they couldn't take, 
at one time in my backyard I had 12, 13 dogs and um, and I, I'd find them homes and that's how that got started and um, all the neighbors knew I was the dog lady and uh, so back in the day they used to deliver um, in your mail sample dog food and stuff oh my gosh and little sample packs and I'd find I had a basket out my front door and they, people would just drop it off because they knew I was doing that so that's how it got started and my involvement with rescues I, I just had to rescue them they, I didn't want these people just on their dogs and you just did it because you're like I love dogs mm -hmm. okay. have you had dogs your whole life uh, pretty much yeah. yeah yeah the only sad story I have about a dog is uh, I was born in New York and I lived there till I was 10 and I had a little dog named Penny I almost hate to admit this but my mom and dad um, decided to move to California and um, I didn't know anything about California and I, was, I don't want to go I don't want to go and I was throwing fits and no I'm not going and um, they, we had to not take the dog and oh my Penny no we're not I'm not going and this shows the child mentality because he said Connie if we find Penny another dog I'll take you to Disneyland and I went okay <laughs> that's my bad story <laughs> <laughs> but it made a lasting impression on you, obviously. Yes. <laughs> and let's blame the parents. I mean, let's be honest here. <laughs> At least you're able to find her a good home, right? That's right. yeah. They did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's. And when did you get involved with dogs? Well, I've had dogs all my life. Yeah. When I was growing up, we had dogs. When I was. <sighs> When I got out of high school, I did not have dogs until I met Connie again. And then we got both of us have had dogs together <laughs> since then. We each have a, our own dog usually. And, um, you know, I've always had, I've always loved dogs. So right. it's okay, cool. being with her makes it really easy to just fall into that whole deal. Yeah. That's awesome. I like it. I like it. So then what, so you said why you started making the dog treats and then what kind of got you into like actually selling them to other people? Um, I started researching it. There's quite a bit to making dog treats that are good. And um, it's uh, not an easy task. Um, you have to look up all these ingredients, see what's good for dogs, what isn't good for dogs. How can you put it in a treat, you know? And so I ended up doing all that. And then I found out that to sell the treats, because I did want to promote them to people, don't feed your dogs this something else you know and uh, so you uh, found it was a learning experience but you send all your recipes to a lab and then they can tell you like it's high in protein or you know they can tell you what value your treat is your recipe and so I did that with my recipes to make sure they were good that way too and um, so that's why you see on our treats guaranteed analysis of what's in there and so it was a growing process so yeah yeah, I noticed that when you sent me over all of your stuff for your treats that you have this guaranteed analysis of what's in it and some of it's like moisture content right or hydration and um I just I was like why do you need this for dog treats it's, it's not even illegal. on human food it, it is illegal. It's, it's everything that you see on our labels are required legally to actually wholesale these to a reseller oh really that's yeah. awesome though yeah. and that's the one thing when we moved here from Tennessee, 
we knew Connie was going to do something besides. I was. I had a job. I moved here for a job, right. and we knew that Connie was going to do something online because we needed to start a business. We didn't know what it was. We just knew that we were going to have to do that, and it developed into the dog treats. So, and we knew that we wanted to be able to wholesale these things. Of course, we know how difficult that is now, but. Um, in order to do that, you have to have a guaranteed analysis. You have to have weight. You have to everything that you see on our label is mandated in order for you to legally be able to wholesale dog treats, and it varies state by state. Oh. And um, wow, is yeah. that so? But they weren't doing that on the food that was coming in from China, were they? They're, they weren't. They're, oh, that's but that's why they you know, started no, with the, the treats. Even now, um, if you go through a Walmart um, and look at the dog treats, you'll see <laughs> um, um, just USA on the package. So you assume these treats are made in USA. But if you flip it over and you read the little print, it's distributed to the USA from China. So then do they not, I just, I have never seen that breakdown before. I just thought it was something that you guys did like, um, to be go the extra mile. Yeah. Like over the top, like boutique and stuff like that. But I, I never noticed that on another package, the way it's on your guys's package. So do they, do they require that for it, stuff it, it that they're important? Oh, okay. It is required by, yeah. not oh. just by the state, but by the federal government oh, too. Okay. The thing is we put it on our front label. Oh, right. everybody else puts it on a little bitty label on the back. And we do that for a reason. We're yeah. cheap. One labels, one labels less money than two labels. <laughs> Okay, so we I thought he was going to say, like, because we're honest and we yeah. want everybody to know we're cheap. We're, yeah, we put it all on right in front, you know, so that you can well, see it. Well, your, your guys' package does look labor intensive and it's so pretty, but I can't imagine doing all of that and then having to repackage the back, too. It's a lot of work. So is that how it is for, like, all animal treats? Like, regardless of the animal, do you know if they require that for, like... I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure. Huh. It that. varies depending because I mean, feed for farm is yeah. different, regulated differently. Yeah. And a lot of farmers mix right. their own feed. Right. So there's there's a lot there's a lot to it, but to actually produce for wholesale, we're doing what we're you're obligate you're supposed to be doing, and it varies from state to state. Different states are more sticky about things than others. I mean. There are some states that you actually have to go to and have them register your dog treat with them before you can sell it to wholesale it in their state. Oh. And there are other state other states that do not require that. Oh. Hmm. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, so I didn't yeah. know that either. Wow. Another thing that makes our dog treats special compared to the store bought treats, the other store bought treats, is that they are minimal ingredient. I mean, they have. Rice flour, gluten-free flour, and organic peanut butter in them for, most, for the most part, the, the baked treats that we make. As the three main ingredients, we use a little tiny bit of citric acid as the only type of a preservative, preservative yeah. in there, right? And that's it. Those are the only ingredients in there. And it's all human-grade food. Oh, wow. And all the flour comes from Bob's Red Mill. So it's, a, it's nothing but the best quality of product. And then we have different treats, like the training treats. The little ones are um, very popular. But those we have, we dehydrate the sweet potatoes 
um, beef jerky that we make ourselves and apples and sweet potatoes, uh, cranberries, and we grind that Bananas. all up in that treat. Oh, wow. So, so you, you dehydrate all of that treat. yourself. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you don't just buy like oh, the wow. powder or dehydrated? Oh, yeah. Dehydrated the only thing everything. we buy ready-made is peanut butter. <clears throat> That's because I can't find any. I, I, we could make our own peanut butter if we, if we could sell more dog treats. But we're, our dog treats are so labor intensive that it's difficult to make money doing this. Because yeah. to be competitive, we do not that, make yeah. a large margin on our dog treats. That's what I was going to say. I, I was like special compared to store-bought treats too is even the little squares you hand cut all of those yourself right everything and, is hand yeah cut. everything's hand there's cut. nothing yeah. machine cut yeah like 90 percent of the dog treats you find in a store will be made either with an extruder or a, a molder oh yeah, yeah, yeah and they roll off the line hundreds of thousands of them you know an hour and usually they have to have an ingredient that's you know shortening or something that's just not all that great yeah. exactly Wow. So it's more like a passion to make sure dogs are getting healthy food that's kind of Absolutely. like driving you guys. That's really awesome. Well, I can tell you my dogs love them. So well, that's what we love to hear. Yeah, that's what we hear a lot. So you're doing something right. Yeah. So you're telling me I could go open one of those bags and I could eat any of those. Absolutely. I said that to two people today and one of the guys was like, well, then I'm buying this jerky and the and he bought a bag of jerky and a bag of the pumpkin for himself. <laughs> we had that happen at the farmer's market with the um, sweet potato sticks because the ladies would come and say, oh, I like that, you know, and well, that's okay, I'll, I'll buy three. And they were walking around the market, munching around on these, you know, and they'd come back and they'd go, this is a dog booth. What am I eating? And it's sweet potato. That's all it is, is a sweet potato. But you guys marinate your sweet potato, right? We do. Or, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, because yeah, I saw that I was, when I was looking through the descriptions um putting them on the website on mofocomobile.com you can order them or on <laughs> their website um which is deweydogstreats.com um i was like oh i had no idea that you guys marinated these in like lime and the lemon yeah lemon, lemon. Mm -hmm. it was and peppermint and spearmint yeah, and and yeah you were like putting all this stuff for teeth and for and i was like oh my gosh <laughs> So we love our dogs. And I know dogs. you do. <laughs> um, so you kind of briefly touched on this, how you came up with the recipes, but it is, is how did that start? Like, how did you pick your ingredients and how did you land on your recipes? You, cause most of them you developed yourselves, all she of did. them you developed yourself, yeah. right? After like a year or so of testing. I, I do a lot of uh, reading. That's what gets me going and what is good for dogs, what isn't good for dogs. And then I take those ingredients and go, okay, how can I make this into a treat? Um, I took a year, a year to figure out how to make a dog-friendly cake. Seriously, a year of research, research, and I'm like, no, this won't work. No, this won't work, because I did not want any dairy in it. I didn't want eggs in it. Um, so, 
<laughs> I didn't want shortening in it, so there's coconut oil in it. Coconut oil's good for dogs, for their coat and everything. So I always, my brain's going, this is good for dogs, this isn't, how can I put this together? Right. So that's how so, that happens. But when you, when you like started researching, like when you start researching, they're like, this is how to make a dog cake. And it says to put those things in there, huh? Sometimes it does, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. Interesting. I feel like that's how it is with a lot of one things, of though. The, um, one of the things that we tell, I tell everybody is that the ingredients that go into our dog treats have to meet two criteria. One is they have to be good for dogs, and the other is the dogs have to love them. Oh, right. So if dogs well, don't that like would make them, sense. <laughs> we're not putting them in there. <laughs> you got to please your customer. Right. Yeah. So. So. And you've you figured that out by using Dewey and Sh- and Shiloh, right? Shiloh. Uh-huh. I wanted to call her Shadow. And the like, old Dewey, right. the old Dewey started this whole thing. He yeah. was around then. And was he um, picky, or was he always like this is good? He was pretty picky. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So that started that. I guess when you're used to the best food, you'd be like. What is this? <laughs> Shiloh's like that. She's like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so there was an original Dewey, and that's the Dewey that's on the packaging. Yes. Is that right? right. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. And Dewey, then Dewey lived to the ripe old age of 15, and we had him since he was two. And, uh, oh, he was my heart, you know, and that's why his picture's on everything and all that. And how we ended up with, uh, people don't understand that, Dewey too, is um, Dewey passed away. And I was like, we're just going to have Shiloh. And um, I was like, within two weeks looking online. That's me. And um, so I'm watching and bam, I help all these rescues out. But bam had a video online and they had this border collie running around in the backyard. And um, he uh, was going to have to have surgery and all that. And uh, but at the very end of the video, his name was Dewey. And uh, I melted and said, this is it, you know, boom, you know, here's look at this iPad, you know. And so that's how we ended up with our other Dewey. Oh, that's and they're spelled different, too. Yeah. 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 I, I just kind of felt that was, I, I always feel and I always tell people when they lose a dog like that, another dog's going to grab your heart. And I think the old one sent the new one. Aww. I really do believe that. That's cute. I believe that too. I know. I'm actually scared for when my girls stay because they're they're getting up there for hounds. They're like a 11 and nine. And I'm just like. You never know what they're gonna bring. I know. I was like, <laughs> this is gonna be a nightmare. Like when this happens. But um, because you know, I we never used to think about it. They're you know like they just they go so much. They run like five or six miles when we take them out. Um. But like, you know, Rhubarb, I was talking to you. I was like, yeah, I could see the shadows in her eyes and she's starting to get white. And I'm like, oh, I have a senior dog. <laughs> so let's see. Did you say how long you've been selling your treats now? You started in 2011, but when 11, did, yeah. did you start selling them then like 12. right we in 12 for the year, yeah. the year of research and then you started selling them? Yeah. Okay. When did you, did you add cakes? I added cakes. Uh, oh boy, I got obsessive with cakes. Um, I never had that thought about cakes until we took a trip to San Diego. And of course, when we travel, I have to go see dog bakeries. 
So we go to yeah we go to dog bakery in San Diego, and uh, she had a cake with a dog's picture on it. I lost my mind and I was like, how did they do that? And you know I'm like, doc doc doc, how did you do this? How does this work? You know. So she told me all about that. Boom! I had to make cakes. So I came home and I researched cakes and, and I just bought a printer, I, yeah, edible ink printer, edible ink printer like that, and I, I'm doing this. So that's awesome. <laughs> and is, is that still your favorite do you like making cakes i like making the cakes yeah, yeah. i think I, I i think i feel that when i get on your guys's page because it seems like you're so much more excited about the cakes mm-hmm. you're like look at this cake on the I, birthday I think, party i, I, I think <laughs> Three i like dogs. it because the people love it and yeah. usually when they pick up their cakes they're just like oh you know and, and plus the dogs always like them so um i did have um can't give any names however but i do make cakes for um Homeland Security dogs. Oh, okay. oh that's that was awesome. a shocker. And, um, guy has for three years. I've been making cakes for his dogs. So that I just love that. I, I love that he comes back every time. A lot and, of people come back for cakes every. I mean, once yeah. you get. It I, seems like once if you're the kind of person that gets a dog cake, once you find a good dog cake. Mm-hmm. Because they're so, like, the videos and the pictures are so cute. <laughs> and Monty, he's so funny. He Bless his heart, he's trying to stop me from becoming a crazy dog lady. He put the rule in very early that I was not allowed to dress the dogs. He told me that I was not allowed to dress them up for Halloween. And so every time I'm like, should we get a dog cake? He's like, no, stop it. <laughs> this is a slippery slope for you because the pictures just look so cute. Like, the... She does like she puts the videos up of the dog parties and this is like awesome. Now our dog's gonna be turning eight this year, so I might have to get him a cake. There you go. He's earned it. He has earned it, yeah. That'd be fun to do. Have you ever seen like the when when kids turn one they do a cake smash? Mm -hmm. Yes. They should do that for puppies. Mm -hmm. That would be hilarious. Yeah. I love that. You know, I love that people do that. I just absolutely love it. And um, they have uh, birthday parties at uh, the Modern Pet. And they have, uh, Wolf has had birthday parties at their place. And um, I just think it's awesome. And those are both here in St. George? They are. So BAM is best friend's animal. No, BAM is because animals matter. Oh, wow. See, that's why I'm like so confused. They're in Hurricane. Yeah, I knew that. It's over by Gypsy Emporium. So BAM, uh, the Modern Pet, Wolf, and Best Friends Animal Society are kind of all of the places that you work with here. Um, well, and Rescue Dogs. Rescue Dogs. Okay. Um, paws. Paws. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the Ivan Shelter, too. Ivan Shelter. Once a year, they do a uh, very nice um, Get Your Dogs Neutered and Spayed program. And they um, <laughs> they line up the street and they have it very I think it's like twenty dollars or something yeah. just to encourage people to do that and so I donate treats for um, that annually I just love the whole community thing and helping out with the um, dogs and and uh, so I donate treats and so they go oh you're a good boy that you got the, your shot and you know so we also make graduation cookies we for make Wolf. graduation cookies for classes. <laughs> But you guys are everywhere. Like I, I, you guys always name off names, and I'm like, where are they? Like they're out just doing so much stuff. And you guys, uh, I remember you used to do like the what was the parades? 
Oh, he did Swiss Dates Parade last well, what year. What was the one where he used to take the dogs out? Oh, the, the, that's Best Friends Animal Society's okay. uh, Strut, Strut Your, your mutt. mutt. Yeah. The Strut Your Mutt. Yeah, you guys are always involved in the coolest stuff. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't realize that dog bakeries are that big of a thing, but they have them, like, all over. Oh, they do. Oh, go yeah. to Southern California. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots it's, of them. Yeah, they have them in Las Vegas, too. Yeah, yeah they yeah. have four of them in Vegas. They have probably four of them within about three blocks of each other in San Diego. See, I kind of saw that. It hit in Montana, but it hit with cats first, which is really weird. But, like, there was, like, cat specialty shops in, in like, Montana. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> I get the dog ones because, you know, they're man's best friend and they're cute. But, like, the cat specialty shops I did not see coming. So... Well, then I guess that kind of is a nice segue into, like, what all do you make? So you do the cakes and then... What are all the treats that you guys make? The cakes, the cupcakes, they're, that's all the same batter recipe for the most part. You have the, the baked treats, which are the ones that are in the bag, which are the carob squares, the trail mix treats, the training treats, which is the same recipe. The trail mix and the training treats are the same recipe with that trail mix ground up in them. Okay. And then you have the donuts, and which leads us to frosting. Okay, so the donuts are frosted treats, and we also have other frosted treats, single. Just so everybody knows, it's like not, it looks frosted. It, it's really cute. It looks like it's a donut, and it looks like a frosted little donut. Okay, so, so what it is, is it's tapioca based <laughs> oh. frosting, which is a dog friendly, and it is intended for frosting in, in the dog treat world. So oh. tapioca is white. And then we use carob powder in the tapioca frosting to get our doggy chocolate for our doggy chocolate donuts. And then we use other dried and ground vegetables, mostly vegetables, um, for other colors. Like organic carrots make a really nice orange. Oh, cool. Spinach, organic spinach. We found the hard ways that the organic vegetables have a brighter color and they maintain the color whereas when you get the non-organic fruits and vegetables they aren't as as vivid and they fade they the 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 ground the ground powder fades with time so that when you mix it with the tapioca it it starts like getting you know faded it's another thing i you know i'm adamant no dyes there's no dyes right the pink is because they're allergic to it right it's it's just not good for their system at all okay yeah Yeah. because some of them have sprinkles on them too right that's the only thing we cheat on oh (laughs) (laughs) we don't make our own sprinkles They make sugar-free sprinkles Although out there. Although he wanted to. Yeah, I do want to. Yeah. I, I mean, to if we could ever get to this point where I could do everything I wanted to do, we'd have to have a lot of help. Yeah, yeah. like how much time in the day, right? How would you just, even make your own sprinkles? Like, how would you even do that? Look, he's like, I've looked into it. This is what it is. But the problem we have is that everything's handmade, and you can only make so much by hand. And even though we've improved that process to the point where we're making, instead of having to cut one little dog bone at a time, we can cut 100 squares at a time. Or 200 squares at a time, or whatever. So you guys are like rolling out a thing or something? Right, something like that. Wow. Um, 
so that you because there's just no way to do it by hand one at a time and they don't make a machine that will they don't make them i've looked for years two years at least in the bakery world they make machines that are geared around what everybody in the world does in bakery which is not what we do We don't put butter in there. We don't put oil in there. So all of those ingredients that they make these machines for allow them to process their dough. Cut and drop, cut Cut and and drop, drop, cut and drop, which our dough sticks in all of these machines. So there's, we, we can't mechanize it in that fashion until I finish developing my own little special machine for us to make our handmade treats with not, no, with go. the exact recipe that we're using. We will not jeopardize the integrity of the recipe. Right. Well, I think that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. And I remember one time when I was over there talking to you, you were talking about how um, even though you've made them for years, you still like will poke every single piece of that like you're like i gotta make sure it's right if it's not it's we start over like you just i do drive people crazy if they are helping me (laughs) my sister comes up when we get a best friend's order it's insane at our house and uh really insane and she listens to me and she lives in vegas and oh you got the order yeah is it big? Yeah. And then within like three days, she goes, how's it going? I'm okay. And then after two days, I'm on my way. And she jumps on the shuttle and she comes and helps me because I have to have help. It's just nonstop, you know. Right. So for best friend's order, it's probably, well, it t- we try to get it done in 10 days, but it, it usually takes longer. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Well, and I guess that, yeah, because then we can go into the next one yeah. about how much time. So how much time and work goes into making your treats? Like if you, um, if you had to say like a, a bag, like if you were making a bag, how much time does that take you? We don't make a bag. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so per, per batch, I guess. Yeah, per batch. Um, well, we... <laughs> It's a lot of process. Okay, so together we the can The fact make... that you can't give me a clear answer just from asking that question means it's a long time. It's a long time. <laughs> it is. But with the treats, when people got to understand that too, it's um, you. him and I will make some treats in the morning, and it might be, um, you know, 12 probably 24 bags you know and then but all those have to go on a cooling rack so those I spread out after they're baked on a cooling rack they go in a baking rack then they have to sit for another day before they're even bagged if they're going to be frosted to make sure that there's to, no moisture in right, it, right? Okay. and they have to be set for another day that they're good and dry and then I hand frost them all literally hand dip all everything so it is a process it's not like oh yeah and throw them in a bag you know so like to do it right to make a batch of dog treats like takes you three days no no not for a bag but Uh, (laughs) no like a batch like if you were like actually if the process starts with her making a batch of dough yeah and it used to go from that to her rolling it out by hand and cutting one treat at a time so now with this little tool that i built for us she makes a batch of dough and i put it on my little roller and roll it out and put the cutter on it and roll it out and then i take an ejector because that's you have to 
because they stick. You have to pop them out. Yeah, and put it on a tray and pop them out and do that again. So, well, and we can bake, we can, we can roll and bake uh, two trays, which is 11 bags in about 40 minutes. Right. Okay. But then you have to let it sit. Right. Then and, and, and bag it up. So the most time-consuming process in our making of the treats is rolling and cutting. Okay. And then you do everything else. The second one of the, uh, it's hard to say, I would say the next most time-consuming process is bagging them. Labeling the bags and opening the bags and bagging the treats. And the third most time-consuming process is her hand-dipping these. Now the hand-dipping, we can, the hand-dipping I can, I, I can deal with so that we can do it kind of like we're cutting them in mass instead of one at a time. I, can, I have an idea for that. Um, the bagging and the labeling, that's a piece of cake if we could just sell enough dog treats to make the money to afford the equipment, because we can mechanize that. Right. But that's a, um, we do like 300 bags for best friends. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's a lot, a lot of work, because you're opening up each bag yeah. by hand, and then you, you know. And you're weighing scale, it. We're weighing yeah. it, you know, and so that's a huge process. 300 bags of treats and, and about 300 double single treats packaged for best friends can take a good two weeks. Wow. Well, that doesn't count the time it takes to dehydrate the vegetables right. and the cranberries. No, and so you, got, you have yeah. that yeah. set. You're already yeah. doing that like right. on a regular basis. Right. You're dehydrating stuff as you find In it. In a perfect right. world. Yes. In wow. a pre-COVID world. Then we have to, you know, the <laughs> pre-COVID, yeah. We do the pumpkin when it's in season, you know, so you know, we're looking for different things when they're in season. Then we try to encourage ourselves, we should dehydrate, you know. Fortunately, that lasts a long time, so you can yeah. make that ahead of time. And you've seen our bins at the house where we stock them, you know, yeah. so I can just pull them out, grind them up, and put it yeah, in the Yeah, but it's just a, I didn't realize it was that long of a process. Like, I didn't know you had to... Because I apparently have no idea what goes into dog food. Um, like, I just didn't know about, like, I didn't know until I was looking at all of your, like, I was transferring all your guys' stuff onto the website. Um, and I was looking at everything that was going into it. I was like, geez, why do they have to have all of this stuff on there? Like, I was so impressed. And then um, there, just a lot goes into making good dog treats. And the fact that even you have to let it dry for a day to get all the moisture out of it so it's at least stable enough to package adds a lot more time to a finished product even though you guys it's static even though it's like i can walk around and do other things it's still like a three to four day process from start to finish you know how you speed that process up huh. add um preservatives oh yeah yeah. Wrong. <laughs> That's, That's weird. Weird. That's what the yeah. other people do. Yeah, exactly. Everybody else does. Cheaters. Cheaters. <laughs> but it's good to understand what goes into making good dog treats yeah. because, you know, people do push back sometimes on price. They're like, they're like why is this this expensive? No, well, I was just looking at him and I'm like, she does it all by hand. Like, I was like, they do it all by hand. They make every single one of those by hand. Yeah. I was like, and then they're like, oh, okay. And I was like, and it's all human grade food. And he's like, can I eat it? And I was like, yeah. 
and that's today I had to guy buy two bags for himself. So on that subject too, we're the only dog treat company that makes dog treats for best friends with their label on it. And they asked us oh, to. Yeah. So why don't you talk about I don't I don't know if that's on here, but let's let's dive into your guys's relationship with Best Friends Animal Society, um, because you guys have a really long relationship with them mm-hmm. and i don't th- i don't know if if they're if people aren't from southern utah and aren't involved in the dog community and are kind of looking to get involved in 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 animals this is a really cool thing that's here in southern utah so why don't you explain what what best friends animal society does and then um let's talk about when you guys started getting involved with them Um, It is the largest sanctuary in the country. Um, It's in um, Angel Canyon. Yeah, Canal, um, outside of Canal. It's it's well-loved, you know, well-loved. And um, people come and uh, take their vacations there and volunteer to help take care of the animals and learn about it. Um, They have cottages up there that you can stay at. They have, uh, at any given time, 1,700 to 2,000 animals that they have, and they're taking care of. Um, how we got involved? Well, we first we adopted Shiloh um, from Best Friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we went up there, and um, <laughs> Shiloh was a rescue out of Tennessee. <coughs> she was a um, in a hoarding situation, and uh, so she's that's why she's shy. And uh, so that's how we first met them. Loved the people there, and then we started the dog treats. And um, we went to, um, they had a, what was that called? I can't remember. That now. was a, a but they super used to come, adoption. Super adoption. The they used to have super adoptions here, yeah. in St. George. And so we went there and set up a booth. Well, before that, I, uh, of course, um, super adoptions, I, what can I do to help? And that was before I really knew them other than adopting Shiloh. And so um, they were huge adoption things, and I was their gatekeeper. And so they assigned me to count how many people were coming in. And Oh, I thought you meant like and, and, they uh, put you up there to judge people. <laughs> like, you cannot come in here. Right. You are not a good dog owner. Right. <laughs> I was like, that's so, who I'd put at the gate, too, is Connie. <laughs> so that, I got involved with that, and then we went to their um, adoption, super adoption, and set up a booth with the dog treats. And uh, Steve could take over from there because I had I backed off um, because <laughs> I was shocked. Um, uh, the buyer for best friends yeah. merchandise. She came over and uh, she was looking. I, she goes, "Hi, I'm the, the, the merchandiser for best, best friends. friends Animals." I love these donuts, and I just, (laughs) typical Connie, backed off and went, whoa, and uh, I watched him, you know, because I knew how big, big this was, you know, and I just, I was like, you know, so he he took over. She was, she came up, she didn't just immediately come up and say that. She came over and she started looking at all of the dog treats and she picked up the donuts and she was looking at them and I was looking at her and I could tell that she was with Best Friends and she said, hi, my name's Mackenzie and I'm the buyer for Best Friends Animal Society, <laughs> Sanctuary, the gift shop. And uh, would you consider making these treats for us to sell? Because, I mean, I'm like, uh... 
yeah. <laughs> it's like, if I had known you were here, you know, I'd have looked you up. It's like, she came to the table and it was like, and we, she's like, well, you think, would you, you think you could do our, our label on it? And I'm like, uh, sure. I'm no, I know we can, Yeah. you know, so we can make that happen. So we, uh, that was in 14, that was 2014. 2014. Yeah. So we, um, that's how we got started and it was a long it was a long process too because I had to design their label that they approved you know so that had go through an approval process and we had to work on it they have a front label and a, and a back label and I haven't been able to talk them into the front label only <laughs> so we have to do two labels on their packages now still with the ingredients and everything else that's on it they're just wonderful people. I, they we are. just love them all, and they obviously care about the animals. So that's you know a passion of mine, and so I'm glad to be part of it. Everybody should go there. They really should go there and see it. It's awesome. So you guys have been providing their treats with their label for like six years. Yep. Please. Then they had, um, unfortunately, last year they not unfortunately, but they um, had so many volunteers coming that they bought an old hotel that was about ready to get run over, um, and right in Canab on the main drag in there, and they refurbished the whole thing, and uh, it's called the um, Best Friends Roadhouse and Mercantile, and uh, they. Uh, ordered for their store so we had to make about those labels so for them so they we have their in their store as well and uh, that happened just before COVID so they haven't gotten going yet but they just opened back up in September okay and then so you were telling us right before we started uh, recording that COVID like really shut them down what happened um they do um they were very protective of Canab. Uh, I can tell you that. The people were like, okay, everybody's got to stay away. Um, but it is a lot of interaction with people. You take tour buses. They couldn't do the tour buses anymore. Um, you know, daily, like every other hour, you have a tour bus. They have an auditorium there where you see the history of the sanctuary and how it began, you know, so they couldn't do that. So they ended up just shutting it down. And uh, so it's been, what, six months, I guess. Yeah. Throughout the course of the summertime, spring and summer and fall, there are, they, they host a lot of live events yeah. there They do, also. yeah. And they so have Strut Your Mud every down. year, and Strut Your Mud is a fundraiser. Mm -hmm. And um, it's an awesome fundraiser because it's not only for them, but you yourself, I've done it for rescue dogs a couple of years now, um, you can... Do a Strut Your Mutt fundraiser and designate it to a local rescue. Oh, cool. So I've done that for rescue dogs for a couple of years now. Oh, cool. And then you go out there, and it's it's a lot of fun. They do it all over the country, Strut Your Mutt, and, but it's a lot of fun, and there, there's a lot of crazy people up there with dogs and costumes and stuff, and um, <laughs> they have a start gate, you know, let's, let's go, you know, and oh you, you strut up the canyon with your dogs. <laughs> Awesome. It's, it's a lot of fun, but they had to cancel that this year, too. <laughs> well, and did COVID affect your guys' production at all, too, with people, like, 
bulk buying all the flour and all that stuff? Did that affect you guys at all? Uh, it started to. A little bit of the flour. I think we were having a hard time with that. Um, but our business slowed down too. So it wasn't like. Last we buy flour in 25 pound bags, usually 50 to 100 pounds at a time. Um, last year I used um, 700 pounds of flour in a year. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not that busy, but um, they had said the last order of flour, they said that they uh, had to limit some of the stuff. They had to get rid of some of the stuff. And it's a lot because of the farmers and where yeah. they get their grain. And, yeah. and, and so it was a trickle-down effect on that, too. Yeah. And I'm sure a lot of them, too, um, like, you know, here, that's what I was saying when we, we were dealing with it. Like, a lot of them, when they were getting ready to to plant they were looking at how dire covid looked and so they underplanted you know they were just like there's no way for me to make money like this is all going to shut down like everything's stopping so they under they seriously underplanted or scaled back and so then when we were when we went ahead and opened the market they were like oh we didn't even think that anybody like we didn't think there'd be a market so we don't even have any food like, um, so I'm sure that happened on a commercial scale too, and just where you get the seed from. Like, you know, they ran out of chickens, for God's sake. Like, it was just it was crazy. a lot. Yeah. Okay. So, what's something that you wish people who are buying the handmade, homemade treats understood? Just how much time goes into it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> well, for me, I, I, I do go on a soapbox with it, and I do tell them. Um, I've had people, oh gosh, that's expensive, you know. Uh, I, I pay two bucks for a 16 ounce bag, you know, and I, I always try not to get aggressive, but I, I do, and I'll, I'll say, look, what's, please read your ingredients. Please read what's in there, you know, and then I'll explain why I have these ingredients and why I don't have those. And I just try to constantly tell people to please pay attention. And, and uh, like I've had people come up and their dog's waddling and it's way too heavy and too fat and you know oh these are too expensive and you'd look at the dog and go what are you giving the dog you know and and I get horrified at what they're giving the dog and well that's why the dog's so fat you know um, I just try to <laughs> to educate people I love it you know and yeah. I think that's all you can do you know is educate people that is true I've seen you and, and heard you call out people's dogs <laughs> if you ever talk to me about puppy mills that's when I go I know I was like and it was this one lady actually came it was it was a weird incident like I didn't even know the lady was there and she had this used to happen all the time is people would kind of like try and mill in like they were uh just customers oh, and then they would her. set up a booth or like they would have like they would roll out like their little thing and be like oh I'm selling here too and um, so this lady showed up with two or just one? one? One dog and set up right across from Connie's booth. Big mistake. Big mistake. And um, you could, t Connie within minutes was on it. And she was, she came up to me and she's like, 
first of all, that dog is sick. She was like, there is something wrong with that dog and it shouldn't be here. And she was like, it was probably from a puppy mill or she was like, but like, you cannot let her sell it here. And I was like, okay. I was like, I don't even know what to do. And so I walked down there and I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, you can't sell it. I was like, it's going to cost you $60 to sell it here. So she had to sell the dog? Yeah. She was selling the dog. She was selling the dog. too. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. For, and when I, and I know nothing about dogs and I got down there and I was like, yeah, this dog is not okay. But, uh, Connie was just like, it's from a puppy mill. Like you can tell this is what's wrong with it. And like, she's just treating that dog like crap. You need to get her out of here. And I was like, and it was so interesting and that you could tell like boom, 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 all of these things like nutrition. You could tell exactly what she had. You were like giving me names. You're like, this is what that dog has. Like it cannot be here. Like, and it was so interesting to like, it was, it was weird because I had never even thought about looking at dogs like that. But I, but after she had pointed it out, it was just like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like you can totally tell what's wrong with this dog. But you called it from like 20 feet away. <laughs> like I was like, oh my gosh. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> she probably thought it was a good thing to, uh, because I, we always had dogs stop by the booth. Mm. So she thought, okay, dog people, I'll just sit here and try to sell this dog, yeah. you know, and that was a big mistake. I was like, no, 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 we're not doing this. It just yeah. seems so odd anyway to try and sell your, like a dog at the farmer's market. Well, I've had, like, you know, Julia, she she was a registered breeder, and, you know, her dogs, her Frenchies were, she took care of the animal, and so every year when she'd have a litter, she would sell them. Yeah, but just one dog. Yeah. yeah that just seems a little odd. Yeah, and I... That I, was not a good-looking dog. <laughs> and I, you know, I don't, I don't say that I'm against breeders, and, you know, yeah. the, the breeders yeah. are great if they're doing it right, you yeah. know. Uh, puppy mills, I just go on a rampage and that's where puppy stores get their dogs and um, I've done a lot of research on that you know and it just tears my heart that would you know about puppy mills you know and the, people don't know it so you have to educate them you know yeah. I try not to scream at them I try to educate them <laughs> well it's like that's the whole reason that we're we started the podcast especially was about people you know, talking about how much things cost when they're handmade, homemade, whatever, because people are comparing it to the cheap, crappy stuff you can get at whatever store. Like people just are so disconnected from all the work and time that goes into making that stuff now. Well, and so. they're so disconnected too from like the conditions, you know, like, you know, when they buy the cheap meat, it's like, okay, well, this is what's happening. Yeah. And so it's like when you buy the puppy mill dog, this is what's happening. Um, yeah, who am I impressed with at the market is um, um, Baker Creek. I had no idea until I met those people. The, the intensity of what they do, it's amazing. For that, we buy their foam soap, you know. And But boy, every time I wash my hands with that soap, I think of them out in there, you know, laying, doing the whole thing and growing distilling it, and it, distilling it. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, you know? cutting it all down. And they're amazing. They are so meticulous about it. It's just, it's the same. It really is the same concept with just how meticulous you guys are with your stuff. But it's, it's so, it's bizarre when you meet like real artists, you know, like people that are doing it right and do all of the hard. It's crazy because you don't realize that that's what goes into that, but it's really good.
Is there anything that's surprised you since you started Dewey's? Or did you pretty much expect it? What did you expect? A lot of it I expected, you know, there was, I didn't expect it to happen overnight, you right. know, and um, anything surprised me was the whole best friends experience was a surprise, you know, and um, I have had recipes that I've had confidence in and, oh yeah, I know what I'm doing, good grief, I've been doing it forever and I make this recipe and I go, Bleh. okay, you know, that looks lousy, so I surprise myself with that kind of stuff once in a while. That <laughs> <laughs> didn't work. That's all. But it seems like people really like the treats. Was that kind of a shock to see like how much people have just like adored them yeah you do have a bit of a uh, cult yeah, following yeah because it's it was some of the best times was when people would buy those treats and come back the next next weekend and buy more treats and say you know since i took your treats home my dog won't eat anything else it's like well like it's good for your dog <laughs> it's like good for your dog standing up for itself <laughs> I do custom order for a lady too. Her daughter bought at the farmer's market. She this her mom lives in Logan, and she had Shiraz is her dog's name, a little Pekingese, and um, but she had taken the treats to her, and um, she's been a faithful customer. But she her dog cannot eat. She loves the training treats, but it can't have beef. It's allergic to beef, and our jerky is in the training treats. So I I make a custom batch just for her, like every four months. Of course you do. And, she, you know, she's she's so thankful for that, you know, and right. I have to mark on my tray, this is for her, this doesn't have beef in it, but I enjoy that. It makes yeah. them happy, you know. And I do, um, I, I mean, like, I am shocked at how you know the dog's name. <laughs> you know the owner, know the you dogs. know the dog, you know the breed, you know who's getting what. Like, I, But I remember the dog's name before the people. Yeah. I always do. <laughs> Oh, there's Baron. I forget their name. Yeah. <laughs> What's your dad's name, Baron? <laughs> that just means you're a true dog person. Yeah. It's a person sometimes. Oh, no, it's endearing. I'm sure the dogs love it. <laughs> I'm sure the dogs do love it. They're like, you're no one, and I am everything to this lady. <laughs> kind of answered this already, but what would you say motivates and inspires you guys? Um, just happy customers. And happy dogs. With happy dogs. Yeah. Happy dogs make happy customers. I love the videos of dogs eating cakes. <laughs> yeah. That's what motivates yeah. you. I, love, I like yeah. the videos of the dogs eating cakes. Me too, Connie. Me too. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so what's something that you failed at, and what did you learn from it? Um, opening a retail store in St. George, Utah, in a, in, a, in a really bad location. And what we learned from it was not to do it again. <laughs> so you guys had your own store? Yeah, on Dixie Drive in Valley View in the... Two years? Oh, wow. In the Green Valley Mall. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Terrible parking. Couldn't get it. I mean, we had customers in there. We had a great... We had... It was a, a great venue if, under different circumstances if they hadn't existed because there was a courtyard, so we had held a number of dog events. We actually had Paul and Paula and Joe and Paula oh. come there and play at a, 
at a rescue event that we had three rescues at over there in front of the store and in the parking lot. So it was good for that, but the problem was on a daily basis, there was no parking because they have a massage school in there and there was no parking. So Connie was working her tail off for two years to make dog treats to sell to cover the basically the overhead of the store and finally we said there's enough of this it's like we're not making it we're not getting anywhere People so that's when we came back to, to the market they, i see them go with their dog and they try and try and then leave, leave. Oh. that was sad yeah. so after two years i hung in there and i went i can't do this anymore oh. life might have been different if we'd moved into this space Back then. Oh, definitely. <laughs> you know. Definitely. But I don't think that I don't think we'd have gotten it. We, I mean, we looked down here before we decided to close that, but there was just, I mean, the rent was too high. I mean, it's like, hey, this is, it's a, when you start a business on a shoestring, you have to oh, deal yeah. with it. Oh, yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And be honest we wouldn't even be here without you guys because you guys have helped so much with the co-op and with um with mofaco it's unreal but we love it yeah <laughs> we do thank you yeah, what would you what would you say has been your biggest success and what have you learned from that i think what i think of as our greatest success but not this not necessarily her but i it was landing best friends yeah that you was know. your biggest surprise and your business biggest success yeah right. Yeah. You know. That is huge. It is. Well, yeah. and it's huge that you guys pulled it off like two to three years into it. Like that you knew enough to get the bags designed, to get the treats designed. Like that's a lot. Like that's a huge <laughs> undertaking. So um, that's impressive. But yeah, what'd you learn from it? It'd be nice to do it again. <laughs> Take on another huge client like that? Yeah. Only we need to find a way to produce things better, faster. It's either that or we need to find help, you know, that loves it as much as we do, that wants to, like, put a little sweat equity into, into taking ownership of this business before we can't do it any longer. So you're <laughs> saying you hear yeah. that, Southern Utah? <laughs> if you like dogs and want to make dog treats, we've dogs. got an apprenticeship <laughs> position open with Connie and Steve. <laughs> so uh, final questions. We made it. See, that wasn't that bad. <laughs> so what do you think, in your opinion, makes Utah so special? All of you guys. Everybody we know here. You know, I, I, I love, um, this is the closest we've ever come with a community effort. I, th I just feel this is a community that everybody cares about each other. And I've never really felt that. We've lived in a lot of places. But I love that about this town. You know, it's um, we've met so many people just like one rescue um, land goes to another rescue. We've met more people through our rescue experience with the dogs and just the community. The farmer's market has opened up a whole bunch for us and I just think it's awesome. It is a pretty awesome community. It is awesome. Yeah. Do you have a favorite book or a social media account that you follow for inspiration? Everything I follow on Facebook is dog-related. That's great. That, that inspires you, right? Yeah, yeah it does. That's what I do. Uh, is do you have Facebook. a favorite one? Um, 
not really. I like it all, you know. So I've joined every rescue group that's out there, and um, I just love that to see the actually rescuing the dogs and rescue dogs. They always video when they do go out, and um, they they rescue dogs in Hilldale. I don't, oh, yeah. yeah. So they have some crazy videos of going out there and rescuing dogs. So then I learned a lot from Facebook watching all that. Who's got what dog, and so then I promote those dogs, you know. So that's my thing. Well, do you have, was there ever books or resources that you found for learning all the nutritional side of the dog Um, ingredients? Most of it was online. Online, okay. Maybe you should write a book. (gasps) You should write a book. (gasps) The Dewey Dog Cookbook. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I think you should do this. This is a good idea. It's a good idea. Do you have a ghostwriter in mind? <laughs> I'll ghostwrite it for you. Anna could probably ghostwrite it for you. I don't know. I could do the pictures for you. Yeah, we could do the pictures. Oh my gosh, okay. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> but I feel like that would be good information for people to learn. Like to have a resource like that. Compile all the stuff you know and turn it into something. Maybe I should write a book about how to open up a dog bakery. No, don't write about that. Just write about, like, the treats and stuff like that. Because, you know, like, I, um, every time Monty and I used to go places, like, I, I tell everybody this, is we used to go to farmer's markets because we would ask people there where to go, where to eat. We'd get some, we'd get our souvenirs there. And then, um, like, most of the time, we'd either get something small that we could carry back, like honey, or we'd get food or whatever, or we'd get a book. We'd get a recipe book because I love to cook. So I think it's a good idea. Oh, so a recipe book. Yeah, or yeah. A, like a you know like how to do it, like, mm-hmm. like or the importance of the ingredients and yeah. like why like those specific that way, ones. Yeah. Like, like that way, people can kind of see like, oh, this takes three days to make. How cute! I'm buying a bag. Right. Yeah. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do this, but this is cute. You know. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, we might make more money on the book than we are reach. Oh, for sure. Yeah. When I we had the store, we I'd have people and I'd oh I would just have to smile, but they'd come in and oh you make all these because I made them there too. I had a whole kitchen in the back that they could see, and um, so oh you make them right here blah blah blah, and oh my daughter loves to cook. I'm gonna have to tell her about this. She could make these and sell them too. And every time I got that line, which was often, I, I would just smile. You know, and it's well, like, it's a popular line in Utah. Like, I can make where, that you too. Know, they, yeah, yeah. You, you go ahead. Where it's like, I'm gonna be frugal and make it myself. Oh, they're thinking most of these people were going, oh, she can make money doing this. And it's like, yeah, good luck. Have fun. We had one at the market before you came there. We had a, when we first got set up in the market, another lady came in with dog treats. And she was making them at home out of her kitchen. She was doing this like a lot of dog treat people do, like kind of like we did to begin with too. And you just start a little, you know, and come in and all that. And she came over and saw what we were doing and she was intimidated because she didn't realize just how much was involved in doing this on a scale that we were doing at, at, at that point in time. Yeah. Which was, you know, not very large, but it was doing it right. And, you know, it's 
So I, that's a real easy thing for people to go, how hard is it to make dog treats? Well, you get that at the market, too, I'm sure. You know, oh, I can make that bread. I'll go and make that bread. Well, go ahead. You know. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. well, she makes sourdough bread that takes two days to make. Uh-huh. Like, you're not yeah. going to do it. You know, yeah. she's like getting up, shifting mm-hmm. loaves at 3 a.m. and de- like reshaping them. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. like, I will flat out tell you I'm not going to do that. So I will buy that, that bread. Right. <laughs> That's why we're paying a little bit more for yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Preach. So why should people buy local food and support local farmers, makers, and dog treat creators? My personal opinion is because that way you know what you're eating. Yeah. You know, right. you know where it comes from. And you know who it's, who's producing it. Um, but whatever you buy in a store, in like a Walmart or a grocery store or whatever, you really don't know where it's coming from. Right. You know, you don't know where it's been, where it's come from, with some exceptions. I mean, there are higher quality produce departments and Harmons and places like that where right. you know. But even those, like, it just seems like the labels are so intentionally misleading. Yes, absolutely. Like, it's just so misleading that you just don't really know. <laughs> Plus, I think it's so important to support your community. Absolutely. In every way you can. Yeah. And I think the real problem is that, you know, we do go to Walmarts and stuff and the money just leaves. You know, like if you spend your money and in in a farmer's market, it's like something like 75 cents for every dollar stays here Mm -hmm. because it just keeps getting respent here, Um, which I think is... Well, isn't it something like $1 in a community has the effect of $7 because it usually like passes hands at least yeah. seven times or something yeah. before it leaves? Yeah. yeah. It makes a big difference. So if listeners want to learn more about you and all you're doing, where can they find you guys? Buy the book. Coming out in 2022. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you gave us two years. <laughs> 2022. <laughs> But seriously, where can I find you? The webpage. Okay, you read it. Until then, yeah, the webpage. Okay, do it. Say your webpage. Oh, deweystogtreats.com. There you go. And then you're at the co-op. And then they're also here at the co-op at Mofaco on 55 North Main Street. St. George, Utah, 84770. So you can find them on the mofacomobile.com too. And you guys are on Facebook on as Dewey Dog News, right? Correct. Okay. And you're also on Instagram. Yes. Right. Correct. But okay. it's Dewey Dog Treats. At Dewey's Dog Bakery. At Dewey Dog's Bakery <laughs> on Instagram. You got to get those names. Yeah. I know. I was like, they're so close. So they're a little so history close. about okay. the whole Dewey thing. Yeah. In the Dewey Dog News is Connie started Dewey Dog News in Tennessee in 2010 before we ever even thought about doing these dog treats. Dewey Dog News was developed because of her love of Dewey and rescue animals and all of that and it was a all, it was a it was a news a news site about dog, animal rescue. Dog oh my rescue. gosh, I thought you were going to say it was just about Dewey. No, I was like that's no, awesome. But it was 
but oh the my whole, gosh, Connie. The whole web page. Oh, it had it had it was all over the place. I mean, it was about different nutritional things and about debt rescues and all this. And Dewey, it was written from Dewey's point of view. Perspective. Yeah. Oh my god, that's cute. That should be another book. Oh, you should write a book about this. <laughs> Because I remember one of my favorite books growing up, it was about horses, but it was all these horse stories, and I think a lot of them were from like the perspective of a horse, mm-hmm. and I was I was obsessed. Well, isn't Black Beauty? Black Beauty's yeah. from the perspective, yeah, perspective yeah. of a horse. But yeah, I would That's read a it. Good idea. I would read it to my kids. That's so cute. I love you too. <laughs> That's why we, when you see him on the label, mm-hmm. he's wearing rose-colored glasses. Oh my god. Okay, because. The picture on the web page, on the front page for Dewey Dog News, was Dewey in the rose-colored glasses, sitting at his laptop. He was a good poser. He He was a good poser! (laughs) Do anything I asked. If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you found this podcast, especially on iTunes. If you have a specific question that you would like to ask us or our farmers, makers, or educators, send us an email at podcast at mofacoutah.com and let us know. Another way to support this podcast is by becoming a supporting member starting at only $2 a month. We have different levels of membership that grant access to special members-only swag like shirts, hats, bags, magnets, and stickers that show your support for your local community. To learn more, please visit mofacoutah.com slash podcast slash support. Make sure you are following us on Facebook and Instagram at Mofaco Utah. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back in your feed in two weeks. But until then, we hope, hope to, to see you at the, the farmer's market. The music for this episode was created by Southern Utah local Jake Shepard.